Well, it's good to have everyone with us here today. And if I, oh, I didn't introduce myself. My name's Carl. It's good to have you with us. We still got people connecting back here. How's everybody doing back there? If you're online right now, welcome to a 180 home that is meeting right now in Colorado. Some friends in South Africa and all points in between. Good to have you with us. American Ninja Warrior. You ever met one? Well, somebody met one. I had never met one. And boy, when I got to know this guy, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Who has seen American Ninja Warrior? Even a few people. Yeah, it's crazy. So when I met Daniel Gill, I was blown away. This guy is a radically committed Jesus follower and very committed to keeping his body in tip-top shape. He loves God so much, guys. It's one of the coolest things to have this guy on air. But better than that, here's a big announcement. Daniel Gill is going to be coming to 180 Chicago. God willing, we're putting the details together. Because in January, we're going to have an equipping intensive on a Saturday where we help with everything physical body so that we can keep our temples in shape. And he's going to have some incredible tips. You aren't going to have to be turned into a ninja warrior, okay? But he's got some great things to say and uh, quite a guy. I was blown away talking with him about one thing. I thought for sure if you're a ninja warrior, you are most certainly going to be having an opportunity to work on the obstacle course that the ninjas run. He said, oh, no, it doesn't work that way. I said, you're kidding me. He said, no. He said, when I won American Ninja Warrior, he said, I never ran that course until I went and competed in it on it the first time. I said, what do you do? He says, there's only two things that are similar in every American Ninja Warrior competition. And that's the salmon ladder. If you haven't seen it, it's a bar. And you pull up, and as you pull up, you pop it to the next higher one and the next higher one. Boom, 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 boom. Notice how easy that was for me to do? And you, you pop, pop. And then it's the big ramp where you sprint up the ramp and you grab the ledge, pull yourself up, bang, hit the finish. So I said, what, what do you do if you don't get a chance to, to sample this thing? He says, they do a walkthrough and they film it at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. in the morning. They say, we're ready to go shoot. And they go walk the course with an expert. And the expert tells them what to expect. And that's all they get. Gun goes off, they go. I said, how in the world are you ready for this thing? You know what he said? It's all about the preparation. Everything is about the preparation. And that's the way it is in our life in Christ. Some of us find ourselves not being able to execute the promises of God when he calls us to because the greatest spiritual warriors are those that don't try to compete at game time but have a regime of discipleship and dependence on God that makes them thoroughly equipped for every good work so one of the things I want to just tell you right now we are committed to helping you be the church some of you have come in here today let me be this candid you've got secret stuff that's hidden in your life you get stuff you've never told a spouse possibly you got stuff that you've tried to deny ignore kind of put 
away from your mind. You're like, okay, God, you got 80% of my life pretty well intact. I guess that 20%, no, hear me. God wants to pull that out of the shadows and help you get victory in every area of life. I do not believe that there should be, here's a fancy word for you, a besetting sin, a common reoccurrent flat tire in your life that has to be happening. No way. God has so much more for us. So the question is how? And it's become the church, not just attend the church. I want you to be known by God and by a couple others who you can trust so that the things that need to change in your life can be submitted at the foot of the cross and God can change them. And He wants to. He wants to. We begin a new series today called New Ground. Taking hold of God's promises with enemies all around. Today we're going to talk about closing the gap between the promises of God and where we're living. It's like God... I'm living here. These are your promises. How are we going to close this gap? And the study in Joshua is epic. You're going to have one big idea you're going to walk out of here today with. After the first service, oh, the power of the Spirit was working in people's lives. And I, I really believe He will in you as well. And so, Father, we just submit this time before you. I'm asking, Lord, that your Spirit would be moving in power. Angels would be ministering that you'd be setting people free indeed. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to get into the book of Joshua, I want to give you a little bit of clarity about the history of Israel just quickly. There is a typology around the story of the Exodus that is you and me. So they were born into slavery and God liberated them from that. They were in slavery. God set them free from slavery. Go ahead and pop up that slide, guys. They were in slavery. God popped them out of slavery and headed them toward liberty. Now, liberty, let me just say a word about this. A lot of people think wrongly that if we're promised real freedom in Christ, there ought to be some way that we're actually separated from some of the battles that we're facing when we were in slavery. It's actually quite the opposite sometimes. Sometimes, just as the nation of Israel went across the Jordan and went in and they found all kinds of enemies, both within and without, sometimes liberty is a tough, difficult road, but there's something way worse. You see, the 40 years that the nation of Israel sat in what I'm going to call ambiguity was the toughest of all. That, that, amb that ambiguous life, which a quick definition is doubtfulness or uncertainty as regards interpretation. I love that. Doubtfulness or uncertainty as regards interpretation. God has called us out of slavery into liberty, not without battles, but some of us find ourselves pretty poorly defined as abundant life in Christ. And we wonder, I wonder if my kids, or I wonder if my neighbors, or I wonder if my people at work see in me the promises of God. I wonder if they see it. Now, no condemnation here. 
here's the challenge. A lot of us get radically transformed by God, and I use this posture a lot around here, and I'm going to use it right now. We get saved here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's this kingdom of heaven. When a man or woman comes to the end of themselves, this is where they're positioned for God's power. This is how he pours the spirit of God into us. But then we get up in our own strength and we think, I need to get to work honoring God with my life. No, the greatest work you and I can do is to stay positioned in utter dependence on God. I'm going to give you some free passages here along the way. But in Titus chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, it is spoken so clearly that the grace of God saves us and the grace of God trains us. And here's what we've done. We've said the grace of God saves me and now i got to go be a good Christian. No, you don't. No, you can't. You can't. But God can. See, this is a huge miss, and we'll be breaking this down for months to come. Just helping you understand that the grace that saved you is the same grace that's going to transform you. No question about it. And you know when we're sands of spiritual ambiguity? That sandiness is almost in our mouth. We don't feel that the fruit of the Spirit is being born in our lives or that something's just kind of missing and we're not hearing the voice of God. But if we simply align our lives with God just in a couple of ways, and we're going to show you one today, everything can change. If you got a Bible or a phone with a Bible on it, open it up. We're going to be parked in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And I'm going to have a cheat sheet for you here on the screen. You see that right there. But in Joshua 1, 1 through 9, we see some epic lessons. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great sea, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse 5, very important verse. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. I'm going to say a quick word about this. It's very important, near and dear to my heart. Some languages, some language from the scriptures has been stolen from our vocabulary because they've been co-opted by some of our crazier brothers and sisters. And sometimes passages like this are looked at as, let's 
obsess and focus on success and prosperity. Hear me. Because they've done it, late night guys, poor fitting suits, yelling and screaming. I just try to keep it real here. They mean well. But we've sometimes run then from these words, right? It's like, ooh, we don't want to talk about success, and in a moment we're going to talk about prosperity, but we need to reclaim these words in a healthy way. We don't run from the Holy Spirit just because there might be abuses of it. No, we embrace it. Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. And mainly because of one big idea I'm going to give you. But I got three always propositions first. Here's one. Three things that are always true about taking hold of God's promises. Number one, there will always be enemies coming against you. Always. Here's what's implied. Look at this. They're moving from slavery, spiritual ambiguity, into liberty. Look at verse 5. Look at it with me here. The first half of that verse, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. What's this implying? You do a quick inductive Bible study of this and you find this simple little thing. There are going to be enemies. Otherwise, he wouldn't say no one will be able to stand against you. There will be enemies. We have diminished the reality of the spiritual war. In this room, right now, right now, there is a war played out. Right now. It's real as can be. How do I know this? What do we find? Ephesians 6, verse 12. Listen closely. Listen close. I'll just have it for you. It won't be on the screen. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You can look at those people next to you. They are not the enemy. No matter how tough a marriage gets, listen to me. No matter how tough a marriage gets, your spouse is never your enemy. Ever. The greatest enemy is working in the backdrop behind that marital conflict. Because our battle is ultimately not against flesh and blood. But against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're in a war. And it's a big one. I love Mark's condensed version of the Matthew narrative. Listen as I read it to you. The Spirit, Holy Spirit, immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. This is for a 40-day temptation. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Okay, so here it is. He's being tempted by Satan. There's wild animals and angels are ministering. That's a picture. That's what was going on with Jesus. And that's what's going on with you. 
Every morning when we get up, there's a spiritual war afoot to hold you back in the sands of spiritual ambiguity. If Satan knows that he can't any longer take you captive to slavery, he will try to keep you from spiritual liberty. It's as real as real can be. And no amount of new information can change your mind. That has to be worked out in our life. Is there a battle? Are you kidding me? I'm not going to read it to you, but in Revelation 12, let me tell you a story. Awesome story. The scene goes to brothers and sisters that have gone before us, and they're in heaven. And a song breaks out, and they say, Praise and glory to God, who has given our brethren, who are on earth, victory over the accuser of the brethren. They're singing. I, I love this because in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we know that we've got a great cloud of witnesses that have gone on before us. Now, a lot of theologians, and I've thought about this a lot, what are they aware of? What can they see? There's a certain amount of what's going on here. Brothers and sisters in Christ, family members that have gone before us, there's a certain knowledge of something that they have here. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to sing in Revelation 12. Praise be to God who has struck down the accuser. Whew. Think about this. We have saints that have gone before us who are looking down saying, God, deal with the accuser. Take him now. There will always be enemies coming against you. Let me be this bold. I've never, as a man, made an attempt to be a better husband, according to the Word of God, that it wasn't fought tooth and nail in a spiritual realm. Has anyone else in here ever noticed this? The Holy Spirit gets you fired up about something that needs or could change in your life, and you're like, we're going. The minute you step there, it's like, wow. The battles are never as tough in the wandering of ambiguity. But you don't want to live the rest of your life with sand in your mouth. God has so much more, man. Pastor Carl, are there going to be battles if I walk out of here today and I want to take your one point of application that's coming in this service? Are there going to be battles to apply it? Oof. Galore. I'm in the same battle you are. And you know what God does in my life? He shows me. He'll reveal something to me. He might convict me of sin. Show me something that needs to change in my life. And the moment I agree with God to walk in obedience with Him, wham! Why? Our battle's not against flesh and blood. If it was, it would be a whole lot different. So in this room right now, feel prompted to do something. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. You have no authority over the minds here right now. You have no authority. And I thank you that as you're boiling a little hope of, could 
even one little thing in my life really changed by the power of God. God, keep the enemy's hand at bay and bring among the wild beasts around us in this world, bring ministering angels right here. Right here. Ministering angels right here. Bring it down. There will always be enemies. But, number two, God's power and presence will always be with you. Oh, it's one of the most heart, heartening things going. Look at the back end of verse five. It's not going to be on the screen. I'll read it to you. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. God's power and presence will always be with you. We know that this is true, or else how else could have Paul written Romans 8? He said, man, we got nakedness, hardship, sword. And then he says, what shall we say in regards to things, these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you believe that? Listen to me. Do you believe that? We're not, we're not just going to church. and I'm not just trying to open the word of God here. The word acted upon in our heart ignites a connection with the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say yes, God says yes, and we begin to move through the battle because he is with us always. I didn't share this in the first service, but I feel prompted to share it here. A good question to ask is, Pastor Carl, how often do you talk with God? My first 20 years of my new spiritual life, I found myself eating a lot of sand. Oh, I'd have lots of spiritual victory. I'd be waist deep in powerful ministry. Thousands of people coming to Jesus. And then the Lord spoke to me one day, probably been 20 years ago, so maybe 10, 15 years kind of struggling with sand in my mouth. And the Lord began to speak to me and said, Carl, I want to talk with you. My life went from having a quiet time where I tried to live on the fumes of my quiet time, but the further I got away from my quiet time, the thinner it got out here. And then I realized, no, God wants to be with me all the time. And even while I'm standing here right now, God is speaking to me. Isn't that cool? Do you believe God speaks? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. How does he do that? Jesus said, I need to go to the Holy Spirit who will be with you and he will guide you into all truth. He said, it's to your advantage that I go. The Holy Spirit will guide you. So you say, well, Carl, how does that work? I, I hear the voice of God. He's talking to me all the time. It never contradicts his word, but it's always aligned with the truth of his word, and most often it is his word. And it's awesome. Do I sometimes go against the voice of God? Yeah, I do. 
then to get back on pace. Look out. A third thing. When you are saturated with the truth, you will prosper. I'm using that word. Because God used it when he spoke to Joshua. Success, prosperity, maybe not defined as we look at it, but oftentimes it is. Because God loves to work in alignment with our souls in a way that transforms everything. But there's an important piece to this passage that 99% of you in here have never seen before. And I'm not some hot shot, but I stumbled on it and I'm like, oh my goodness. One of the coolest things ever. I'm about to give it to you. So let's build some context. You got your Bible open? If you don't, I'll read it to you. In verse 6 and 7, we back up. And it says this, Be strong and courageous, Joshua. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. Listen to verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. I'm going to give you a propositional statement that's very important. When the word of God is leveraged rightly, it gives you strength, courage, and success. I need you to hear me. Some of us, and I did this for years when I'd read this passage. Come on, let's get real honest here. It says, be strong and courageous. I know according to 2 Timothy 3, 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable to make me the man of God that I need to be. So I would say, I got to be strong and courageous. You know what I would do? I got to be strong and courageous. I need to be strong and courageous. Forgetting the context of what we shared. This is hugely revolutionary, and I'm not overselling it. I'm not going to get there yet. Let me first show you a picture of my dad and my grandpa. That's my daddy on the left. It's my father. It's my grandfather on the right. My grandfather was a spiritual giant of a man. He died at the tail end of the Depression, trying to put food on the table for his family. And seven kids. And the doctors say, Emmanuel Clausen worked himself to death. He got him through the depression and he died. He invested in my dad. My dad, there's a young man. My dad was a big Swede, so he put some more meat on that frame later on. Incredible guy. My dad would speak words of me to me that were so incredibly powerful. And I just need to say something to you right now. The words 
of a father hold enormous power. The words of a father hold enormous power. And some of you are sitting here right now going, I know that it's true. I know that that's true. I need you to know this. It's true. But you need to know that no matter what your earthly father was like, you've got a heavenly father speaking to you. But let me tell you about my dad. I love to tell this story. In the last couple of weeks, I've been really missing my dad. In fact, I didn't even tell my bride this yesterday, but I was sitting there in the living room watching the tail end of a football game, and all of a sudden, I just started to cry a little bit. And I miss my dad. He's such an incredible guy. My dad was a man of the word. My dad knew how to speak words of life. So when I was training for the Iditarod, I had a lot of naysayers. Hundreds of people thought, and in Alaska, whatever they think comes right out of their mouth. There is no filter here. It just comes whoop, straight out. And they would tell me, you're going to die out there, kid. I had one guy look at me and he said, you're 18. You're too skinny. No 18-year-olds made it to Nome, Alaska. You're going to die out there. Have a good day. No joke. My dad hadn't said anything. Nothing. And then the start of the race happened. Out of Anchorage, all the way to Eagle River. We had to load the dogs back up in the truck to go to the final kind of launching off place. We mushed about 12 miles to the last lake before we go out into the middle of the wilderness. And I've got my team of dogs. You know how long a dog team is? If this is my sled, and I had a six-foot freighter sled, my lead dogs were at those double doors. Thirteen dogs in a line, straight out. Trained athletic machines. And I got my team, and they're just yelping. They're just lunging in their harnesses. They're going, we want to go, Dad. We want to go. I mean, they're tip-top shape. And my dad looked at me, and he said, Carl, I want to pray for you. And I wasn't following Jesus, but I thought prayer might be good right now. <laughs> so I said, all right, Dad, you want to pray for me? Let's pray. But I'm thinking, don't go too crazy here, man. There's guys all around us here. He prayed for me, and then he said these words. He masterful dude. He said, Carl, I've heard it all. I've heard what everyone's saying about you're going to die out there, and you won't make it, and you're going to scratch in one of these villages. But I need you to know, I bought my ticket to know. I have my plane ticket. And when you get there, I'll see you. 21 days, 8 hours, 12 minutes, 32 seconds later, I came under the burled arch in Nome, Alaska, and my dad was there to hug me. I need you to know something. Our Heavenly Father is speaking words from the Scriptures over your life today. And it's time for you to believe it. Right now. Right now. 
It's time. How do I know it? And how do we do it? There is a word here that we can't miss. It's called meditate. And when you think about meditation, you think about Eastern meditation. And everybody talks about, well, meditate is about what you put in your mind. No! This is almost a mistranslation. In fact, I've got it in my heart to talk to Wayne Grudem about this. Because meditation in our vernacular has been tweaked by Eastern mysticism to think about what we're filling our mind with or what we're emptying our mind of. No. The word meditate in the Hebrew is Hagah. Hagah. You know what it means? You know what that Hebrew word means? Three words. Ready for it? It means moan, utter, and mutter. Moan, utter, and mutter. I have at home, didn't bring them, two studies of abstracts where people studied the power of not only reading the word, but speaking it out and what it did in your life. Now, these are secular studies, so they're talking about kind of retrieving and retaining data that you get. You know what they found? The correlation between reading something and reading it aloud and repeating it aloud had profound impact on retention. That's what we find here. Hagah, hagah, hagah. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Do you know what's going on at the Whalen Wall right now? I've been there four times. I'll tell you what's going on at the Whalen Wall. I called my buddy, Omer Eshel, when I was studying this a couple of years ago, and I'm like, Omer, the Hebrew would Hagah. He goes, yeah. I said, is that what's going on at the Whalen Wall? I said, yeah, of course. He always says, of course, to me. Of course. I said, that's what they're doing. This is what they're doing at the whale on wall. Open wide you gates that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Open wide you gates that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. They're taking the scriptures and they're hagawing them to etch them in their soul never to leave. But they don't have the power of the empty tomb to fuel those words we do and one day in the tribulation many of them will you might say pastor Carl do you have anything for me I do here's our turning point today I want you this week starting today to select one verse from God's word that has direct application to a battle you face and speak it over yourself all week. One. I'm asking everyone here to do it. And I've got three that I'll give you a quick start guide on. If you're going through a general trial of any kind, here's what I want you to do. Any any kind. I want you to go to this word and I want you to speak it out. Go to James chapter 1 verses 2 through 5. Read it aloud. Going through a trial. 
It's the promises, God. He will make you mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He will give freely without finding fault. Say it over and over and over again. Speak it out. We got Bluetooth now. They won't think you're crazy. It's an awesome thing. You're going through a temptation? Maybe it's a recurring theme of temptation. I'll give that first one. Jeff, I love it when people are asking, what was that again? James 1, 2 through 5. James 1, 2 through 5. You got a temptation, maybe one that no one else knows about in this world, but it's kicking your booty. I want you to Hagah, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, over and over again. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it ends with, and he will provide a way of escape. And you repeat it over and over and over. And you hagat and you speak it out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I love this. We got people audibly saying, what was that? That's tremendous. So let me ask you this, third one. You got a terrible friend in your life? Now, a terrible friend is someone who has no ability to launch you spiritually. All they can do is drag you down. And they aren't the enemy, remember? Because our battle's not against flesh and blood. But that doesn't mean you have to be so saturated in their presence that it's not lifting you up. So I got one for you. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. It's my favorite passage in all the Bible about how, to, how and why to separate yourself from the wrong friends. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Powerful. Fools, mockers, scoffers, get away from them. Why? Because I want to make you like a person who has planted a tree right by streams of living water and your leaves never wither. In all you do, you will prosper. Oh, you know what I left out? You leave the fools, mockers, and scoffers and you meditate, Hagah, on the word of God day and night. Look at that. <sighs> Grab a scripture this week, please. I know you're in a battle right now. Right now, before you get here and to your car, you're going to be in a battle. I'm asking you to fight the battle. Get a scripture that you are going to Hagah this week. Every one of you in here. I'm doing it. I'm asking you to as well. A trial. This is very cool. We've got interactive Bible study going on here. Somebody just asked, can you give me those again? A trial, James 1, 2 through 5. A temptation, a temptation, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And a terrible friend, <laughs> that's a funny one, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. I love you guys. You know what? You know what? God's got great days ahead for us. The only thing that I can tell you, you can rest assured that we're committed to doing here is we are going to intentionally help you become disciples of Jesus Christ. Because I don't care how much information you got in your head, you got to put feet to it, baby. 
And when you do, you're going to be built like a house on a rock. The storms come and you will be unshaken. We will survive storms and we may make it through the tribulation if God wills. Let's close your eyes. Heart of worship. Sing it over. I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it because it's all about you. It's all about you. about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the thing I've made when it's all about you it's all about you Jesus and I got a final pastoral word here before I pray a blessing over you and let you loose today get to see how the bears are doing and all that good stuff. I want you to know something. I'm done with childish things. I really want to be a, a great man of God. I'm in my last stretch. God willing, I can get 20, 25 good years out of this bod. I'll be pumped. But I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, I'm going to live the balance of my life to do everything we can to be a disciple-making church. Not attending, but being. What Paul shared earlier, that's what I want for you guys. You need to know I'm in this thing with you. You want a little secret? Another one? I'm giving you two today. I'm just like you. I don't get any salary. I get to give just like you guys. And it's a kick in the pants. And I mean that. I got my bride sitting back there in the back row. This crazy woman God gave me. She's always wanting to figure out where God's working next. And how we can join them. This is next. You are next. We're going to join them. I want you to believe God for great things in your life today. Believe them. And Hagah, the word of God. Speak it loud. Doing dishes, driving, whatever. Speak it. Now stand to your feet. Now may the God who sets people free from slavery gives them the possibility of liberty. May this God set any of us here freed from even a shred of ambiguity. And may he give you peace. Go with God today. Have a great day. I'm coming back to
about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for being I.